Is it wrong to judge others? How important is self-examination? Why do we need to have discernment? How do we approach other Christians when they are living in sin? Chris and Murdoch tackle these questions and more on this episode of Your Church Friends. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends podcast. I am Chris. And I'm Murdoch. And we are going to be judging... Everybody. Everybody. Each other. Ourselves. No, I think when you judge people, you have to judge others, right? That's the most fun. Yeah. I mean, that's the less, like, that doesn't hurt as much. Yeah, it totally takes the attention away from me. Yeah. Except for when all of a sudden I get called a hypocrite or whatever. Yeah, but Because, like, who are you to tell me that? Yeah, but then you could always turn around and say, don't judge me. Only God can judge me. Only God could judge me. So we should get into, actually, what we're talking about then. The Sermon on the Mount, and here we are. Jesus is getting to this big moment. We, we've gone over, don't do this, or, or you know, if you've got lust in your heart, then uh, if, if you see someone that's lust in your heart and anger, it's in your heart, you know, he's kind of attacking us here in all these other areas. And now we get into this spot of like judging people. He's not attacking us, Chris. It feels like an attack. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's, probably, I feel attacked that's probably what a weed feels like when it's getting ripped out of the ground. Like, right. it's attacking me. It's like, no, you just don't belong here anymore. Which is a good point. So now we're going to get into judging of it. So uh, I'll let you read the verses before okay. I keep rambling on. Yeah, I had to click over from Romans 14 with another uh, judging thing. So I don't know if we'll get to that. Which, yeah, Matthew chapter 7, here we are, the third chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, third and final chapter of it. We are right at the top. So Matthew chapter 7, first six verses. So do not judge or you will be judged. For with the same judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but fail to notice the beam in your own eye? Dang. The dang was mine. That's not the red letters. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye while there's still a beam in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the beam out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before swine. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. So yeah, it's a typical Jesus thing. Some things make sense and then it's like pearls and swine and tearing you to pieces. Like, right. wait, I thought we were talking about judging and like beams in my eyeball. Like, oh, We could cover that first if you want, the, the, the verse 6, just to get it out of the way. Yeah, it, it might be useful that way once we get rolling with everything else. Uh, yeah. So what is verse 6 to you? Why do you always do that? <laughs> you started off like, yeah, cool. You have an idea here and then right. you throw it to me. As if, like, I'm sitting here with show notes and all of that, right? All right, so verse 6 here is, uh, basically, to me, when I look at it, uh, the way what Jesus is saying it is have discernment. Understand who you're talking to and how you're talking to and how, what's the best way to provide them an answer. And we've seen it in Jesus' life many times when he went to Nicodemus. He was talking to him about a new birth, and that was addressing an area in his life. When he uh, saw the Samaritan woman by the water, he talked about a living water because she was there getting water from a well. And even to the point where the religious leaders tried to trap him with a few questions, he refused to answer them. So it's basically, hey, have discernment on how you talk to people. You don't always have to give them an answer, really, especially if they're not willing to listen. And I think that's kind of the idea with the Pharisees, right? They weren't really willing to listen to what Jesus was trying to say. They were just trying to trap him with things. But the people who were, he met them at their level. And it's coming down from wherever you're at and what you think and coming down and meeting them at their, at their level. Right. And looking there is like, but not giving dogs what is holy. So you're, you're bringing in the dogs, you're bringing in the swine generally like, well, 
pigs, they're an unclean animal. The dogs are generally, you know, looked down upon as well, and at least in context of talking like this. And when you're looking at throwing your pearls before the swine, taking what's holy, putting it before, a lot of people, if you're looking comment, uh, commentators in commentaries, mm-hmm. yes, those people commentaries. that provide comments on the Bible, those studied folks. You know, this is kind of, it is one of those confusing sentences. It's a confusing statement, but people bring, hey, the ultimate treasure there would be the gospel. Right. But then you can apply it kind of, it's not only that, you know, it's whatever is holy, whatever is good that you're trying to give. Because I think that a lot of us either have had or will have or can have those conversations. So it's like, man, you're breaking your heart trying to do the right thing or trying to share where your faith is at. And like that can be a devastating thing to where there's somebody that you love and you're trying to share your faith and share what God is doing and they are just tearing you down. And like in your prayer life or whatever, you're like, no, like if I can just share one more thing, they're going to get it. And like you just are making yourself so vulnerable and keeping the wound and the flesh wide open and they're just coming in and tearing it apart, right? And you're just like, we become, it's easy to become like the, uh, no, it's my holy soldier duty. I'm going for it. And God just like, yo, 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 here's the advice here. You've, you've tried. You've done your duty. You don't need to get torn apart. Right. Like a good job. You, you saw whatever was going on there. You're trying to do the right thing. But like you said, use discernment. Use wisdom. You don't need to put yourself through that. Yeah, it's looking at it constantly like the idea of if I'm constantly telling someone about Jesus and they're just not getting it from me. Just step away from it. It doesn't mean you have to stop praying for them. Like right, there's exactly. definitely people I've been trying to to get them to have some relationship with Christ, and and you know they're just not hearing it from me. So I pray for them. And I think of when he told the disciples when he sent them out, or even the seventy two when he sent them out, that if they don't accept you, if a certain city doesn't accept you, you know, you just kick the dust off your feet and walk away because hey, they just they just didn't want any part of it. And even Jesus himself understood this concept where in his own hometown he could do so little because... Yeah, we know who you are. Yeah. Like, who are you to tell us anything? Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's just learning to use discernment, assess the condition of the person's heart before sharing God's word with them, and really just coming down to their level, getting it to them. If there's an acceptance, then that's great. But if there's not, then you know you've done your task. You've done the thing. Because salvation isn't from me. I don't save anybody. I just present the good news. I present the gospel to people. What happens in the heart, that's God. And so I just allow it to happen. So I, I, that's kind of what I got from verse 6. And, and I think, you know, we could move on from there if you want to. I do want to, but just there's a couple of things that came to mind. Is just, I think that we do have the responsibility. I mean, various places in scriptures, they'll talk about, hey, if you see a brother who's in sin, if you somebody see somebody who's in a hard spot, you have the responsibility to go and try to, you know, give them wisdom, give them the help to get them up out of that spot. Otherwise, their blood is on your hands because it's like, oh, I see somebody I could help. I'm choosing not to. And it's like, well, that's your bad. Like God has given you the responsibility to help somebody. Mm-hmm. But then if you go to try to help them and if it works, wow, you just saved a brother like you that that thing is restored there. And if it doesn't work, then that's on them because they've been presented with the choice. They've been presented with the hand up or whatever, you know, resources or wisdom, like, you know, however that looks then that's their decision. But we can't make the decision for them. That's what's interesting, because I even think of John the Baptist, right? So he's out in the wilderness preparing the way for Jesus to come, and he's doing the baptism of repentance, and people are coming out to the wilderness to get baptized. And then the Pharisees pop up, and he straight up just goes, you brood of vipers. (laughs) Who told you about, you know, what's to come? Like, what are you guys doing here? And he's like, again, that's kind of a judgment call, which will lead into where we're going, right? That it does come down to, you use the word discernment, but discernment is a judgment call. You know, you're being able to judiciously 
you know, see who's before you and what's before you, maybe you can see judiciously. I think that that might be what some of this is talking about is maybe, you, maybe we think we can and we can't. Good way to bring it back into everything. Because for me, I would say 2020 has been a rough year for being judgmental. Why? Didn't you have 2020 vision? <laughs> you yeah, could just see it all. <laughs> you see this year? Um, but it, it has. I, I think there is just so much division amongst things and, and much amongst each other and people. It just really, if someone said something, I was like, how could they say that? Or even going into like the politic realm of things, right? Like if we stand on the red side or the blue side or whatever side and someone said something, you know, there were such judgmental statements on each side. Like if you voted for Trump, how could you be a Christian? If you're voting for Biden, how could you be a Christian? Well, I guess that's why Jesus didn't run for president, right? Right. He's the king in so heaven. So if you overall. voted for any of those people, then, you know, a, a totally different conversation. But <laughs> Is it? <laughs> it could be. But the, the, the sentiment, the statement behind those things was just a, such a blanket statement over everybody, over their character, personality, and who they are. And you looked at them by one option or opinion. And we made opinions based off of that. And I think this is where Jesus is getting at. He's saying, stop making judgmental calls off of people's appearances. Stop looking at people and just having a blanket judgment by based on what you see. And, and I think we're all inclined to do it. I know I am. I mean, definitely there have been times in my life where I've looked at someone and said, oh, I'm just not going to like them, but that's changed. Or I know this type of person because they act a certain way. I know who they're going to be. But... You know, we don't really know people to that level. Right. And I think that there's different things. Though. Like there, there is the blanket judgment, like you're saying, that you don't know anything about the person. And whether it's a whole group of people, right, you're saying, you know, red or blue, left or right, or, you know, race or economic status or whatever, what city somebody lives in or what, you know, what kind of car they drive, like right. whatever it is. It's so easy to just see one thing and pass a judgment. But then there's also the other thing of like, you see more than that one thing. And you do see actual detail there. And yeah, maybe you actually do see the speck in somebody's eye. Like, you know, you, you do see something that's that's there. That's not just a blanket judgment. They're like, oh, I don't know you well enough to do that. Maybe it is just like, well, I might not know you that well. Or maybe I know you really well. But there's a, definitely something going on. I think we're more inclined, though, to do that first part of what you said. Oh. like th I think that's the more natural tendency for all of us is that we we make that one judgmental call. And it's just such a coming through the Sermon on the Mount is the consistency of Jesus saying, here is God's kingdom. You are part of that kingdom. This is how you should act. And when, when we as Christians, and I'm putting myself in there because here's a perfect example of, of how I judge people. And we're going back into my fatal flaw, my fatal sin of driving. <laughs> repent I'm, i have that's why i'm saying it's it was a thing <laughs> that i just did on my way here but <laughs> as we're driving and someone cuts us off and they do it and let's say for me like if, if my family's in the car with me and i get cut off I, i'm angry and i say words like this oh what a dummy that person's an idiot how could this stupid person do this all judgmental comments based on one person's actions or decisions that maybe they didn't see me. I was in their blind spot. I don't know all the details of that, but I made a judgment call on that person's intelligence based on that. And that, that's just one small little petty example. But Wait, hold on. I need to pull a paper out of my bag. All right. So I, I, I have some notes on that because in Belong, our young adults ministry, we just had somebody come and talk really about mental health and brought up 
judgmental thinking, right? And that that's an unhealthy way of thinking. It's bad for your mental health. And the, the number one example that she had on the first page is judgmental thinking. This guy doesn't know how to drive. What an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. There. You were there. Yeah, you were there. Yeah. I, I was, but like, well, I, I had to go pick oh, up the kids. You did. Yeah, see, I, and you were probably driving home. and you thought someone was yeah. an idiot. But then it brings in the non-judgmental way of thinking is the guy in front of me is driving 20 miles per hour under the limit. And I'm feeling really frustrated with him. Mm. Right. You're seeing what the person's doing, but you're acknowledging what your part in it is. And uh, yeah, it's not safe to be driving 20 miles under the speed limit. That's for sure. Like there's actually laws about driving too slow. So again, it's not that that thing isn't happening, but how we approach it and how we're approaching that person. Right. She's like, ah, that person did a thing. So I'm judging them like that person did a thing. Where am I at in the situation? Like, let's look inwardly first. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is getting at here on the Sermon on the Mount on on judging others. Because it's not saying don't judge, and we'll get into that. Uh, even in John 7, I, I love this since I've read it. John 7, 24, stop judging by mere appearance, but instead judge correctly. So there isn't the idea that we shouldn't judge or that we can't judge people. But I, I, I really think what he's telling us is where does judging start? It starts with self-examination. It starts with me looking at myself. Because even the, the story that he, illustration he gives, which is so funny, why, if you have a plank in your eye, why are you trying to get the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye? And imagine that, right? Like a two by four sticking in your eye and you're like, hey, let me get that for you. You're going to hit that person with the two by four trying to help them. Yeah. So he's saying. And plus it's just utterly ridiculous. Yes. It, like it, the person turns around like, can I help you with yours? Yeah, let me help you first before you try to get at me here. <laughs> Which is kind of what happens, right? If you come at somebody judgmental and that's what he says, like, hey, if you come at somebody to judge them, you're going to get judged back. I think if you haven't gone through that self-reflective process first, because they're going to see it on you. Yeah. So I think that's where we start at is self-examination. Where, where am I at in this situation? Where's my flaw in it? Where's my error? How can I look at myself and think, you know what? That's more me than it is them. So looking at myself, you, you talked about driving this morning and whether that was this morning or another time because you've repented, like whatever that was. But for myself, because we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount and at various times we've talked about money. And I know... That that's a, a thing. It's, it's not like a big thing for me. But when I look at the world, it's like I want people to be helped. It's like there is so much resource and so much money in the world. There's like, aren't the people with money like doing more to help other people with it? Right. And I'll look at those people with more money than I have because I look at myself and, you know, where my family's at. We're not poor. We're not broke. But it's just like we don't own a house debt free and all that stuff either. You know, it's like I drive a what 16 year old car soon to be 17. <laughs> like, you know, it's not like I'm pushing forward on the finance side. But yeah, it's always easier to look at what other people are doing. But on my drive this morning, a weird confession right now that's about to happen. I was eating a bag of cotton candy as I was driving down. I've, I'm, you looked at me weird as if you don't know that I have. A no, one. I did. I was just like, normally we do this at 10 a.m. So I was like so early, but I forgot today we recorded a little bit later. So it's fine. I, was, still... I think in that moment I judged you. <laughs> No, even still, imagine driving next to me. It's noon and I just have a giant bag of pink cotton candy and I'm eating it. Cotton candy is delicious. But that that's where that comes in. I'm sitting there driving in my car, coming down here to do this with you, right? And I'm enjoying a bag of cotton candy. And it hit me that like I, Delilah and I, we support through compassion. We support a kid over in Togo, a little girl. And, you know, we give money every month to help support that going on. And I would love to support more kids. And, and there's that. And I've been getting notifications for them from them like, hey, COVID's been crazy. Hey, it's Christmas time. Can you give a little bit extra? Can you do it? And here I am, a grown man eating cotton candy. And I'm thinking, 
has that little girl ever even tasted cotton candy? Hmm. Like, you know, for me, it's just such a nothing thing. I'm like, oh, cool. Cotton candy is like, it's a dumb thing to think about. But when I think about everything that I do have and just like for as much, I guess to look at it this way, this is where the conviction came is like the amount of joy that I get having that cotton candy and I want to have that cotton candy for me. I have a daughter. So it's like, yeah, I'll break you off some of the cotton candy, but I'm also going to enjoy mm-hmm. it. Like you're not getting the whole bag because it's a selfish thing. It's like, I want to enjoy it. And when I start to look at my own finances that way towards like, cool, yeah, I support Abla Anaset, right? And I also support a couple missionaries and I do some other stuff. It's like, cool, I'm doing good with that. But also, I'm very selfish. Like, I want to look at all of the other people with all of their money and what are they doing. But hey, the new iPhone came out and I really wanted to buy one of those. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, how much am I looking at the things that I want to enjoy and looking at the people who have far, 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 far less? And just for me to go, hey, you know what? I am okay. I'm far better than okay. I need to spend more of my life focusing on other people and stop focusing on why other people aren't doing it and me doing the most that I can do. And it's weird that all of that came from me enjoying cotton candy and just going, how selfish are you? You don't even care if a little kid gets to enjoy cotton candy. It's never thought in my mind, like, I love cotton candy so much. That would be great if every child in the world could. And cotton candy is such a stupid example. But you get what I mean? It's just yeah, I like, think we had that conversation a while ago. Where What's the guy who runs Amazon? Jeff Bezos. And we're like, if we had Jeff Bezos money, like everyone would be fed, right? Because literally with the amount of money that dude has, you could feed the world. You could take care of something with it, right? He has so much money, but it was us sitting here having a conversation about someone else and what they could do with their finances. Never once was it, what could we do with ours? And that's where the judgmentalness of what Jesus is saying is coming into play. Check your heart, because what makes a bigger difference on a global scale for any sort of change It's not getting one big entity to change. It's getting ourselves to change. If I can work through the crap that I deal with in my life, that the selfish attitude, the discrimination that I have in my heart, or maybe the, the, I don't like you because of this certain thing. If I can work through the anger, the lust, the frustration, whatever sin it is that's engulfing you, if I could work through that and get that out of my way, then I can go help other people. And when it comes to finances, if I can get rid of my stinginess, and if everyone actually really wanted to work on themselves, then we wouldn't need a government to policy what's right and wrong. And and that's really the thing. And that's what the Sermon on the Mount is, right? It's coming in and approaching each of us on the individual level to change our hearts and change our habits and to challenge us, as you said, attack us and to bring us to that point of like, you know what, I need to do different. Because would it benefit the world if Jeff Bezos went and donated everything and like did all that stuff? Yeah, (laughs) like it would like there's no denying that like Mm -hmm. it would make a huge difference. But when we're seeing what God is concerned with is just like if we were to force Bezos to give up all of his money, what did that do to his spiritual life? Like, yeah, that fed a bunch of people and feeding a bunch of people is great. But like, like, where is Jeff Bezos at that point? Like, are we trying to reach him with the gospel or like, you know, what is that? And you can apply that across the board with everybody is that when you're coming in with judgment, it's like, what are you trying to come in and do there? Point out what they're doing wrong. Or as you said, if we've worked on ourselves then we can come in and help people. I think the big thing of checking ourselves, checking where we're at before you go out anywhere, because you're not going to help people when you're messed up. Like that's what Jesus is saying. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They were over there telling the people they're sinners, they're doing this wrong, they're doing that wrong, and they were being so judgmental. They were criticizing everybody, and and they were doing that just to make themselves look good. They were doing it just so that they could be better. But what he's saying here is, no, 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 
Judge yourself, fix yourself so that you can help other people. And that's where the difference is. And that's where it comes into play when he's talking about being kingdom people here on this earth. It's saying, bring that culture of the kingdom here where you can actually look at yourself and say, you know what? Even at looking at this idea of being judgmental, like I've been judgmental to people. And if I call myself a believer in God and knowing that I'm judgmental with people, I just judged you for eating cotton candy at noon because I'm I thinking mean, that's <laughs> probably the first thing you ate all day. Dude, like what? <laughs> <laughs> right? So I, I got judgmental on you, but like that makes me a hypocrite. And it makes me a responsible adult. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it makes me a hypocrite. It makes me someone who, who isn't a kingdom person. And if I'm aiming to be a kingdom person, I have to look at myself so that way I can help other people not be a good person because being good does nothing for us, but being a kingdom person who's striving more towards being like Christ, looking at his life, what he's done, and putting that into play. Our, like I was saying before you came in, like we wouldn't need governmental policies to govern us or tell us what's right and wrong. I would have the main thing telling me what's right and wrong, Christ in me. So we might just go to a break right now. I'm going to put that because what I'm going to go on, I don't know if we'll cut it. But when you look at our nation in America and you look at what the founding fathers built everything up on and they were really looking at, hey, there needs to be a Christian moral and ethic underneath this structure that we're building because that's how this thing will function because you can't put an external law. The whole thing about being in a free nation was, hey, we're not going to put a bunch of external laws on people. You should be free to govern yourself. But in that governing yourself, it's being under God's governing first and foremost and operating from that place, you know, towards like, cool, we can both be free people and I'm not going to come and rip you off because that's not what a kingdom person does. You know, not that all the founding fathers were Christian, like you can, I'm not trying to get into that conversation, but that as our nation has lost the Christian moral and ethic, we've piled on these laws to try and force people to do it. Right. And so you, let's look at the state and look at everything that the state is doing It's like, We've just had a heck of a year going through 2020 on how the state can handle things, right? Mm -hmm. Versus how Jesus handles things and what the power of the gospel can do in a permanent way, right? Because when Jesus comes in there and changes your heart, that's not somebody else forcing you to do something. I'm choosing. I'm willing. I'll even suffer for the cause to love somebody now. Yeah. Maybe we can keep that part. <laughs> we'll keep it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it, it I wasn't uh, sure where it was going to go. I was like, you're, no. you're trying to push my buttons. Right yeah, now. we got it. We got it. But it, it is, and I'll wrap it up with this, and we'll get into it a little bit more. I've got some stuff on like how we can be harsh when we, when we judge people or what's the wrong way to do it and why we judge people. But I think it all starts home. Mm-hmm. Take it inside first. The one thing Jesus is telling me when I'm reading this is, Chris, you got to check Chris, because if you're not checking Chris, then you can't help other people. And if I want to genuinely go out there, if my intention is to genuinely help somebody else see clearly, I need to make sure I myself am seeing clearly. So we'll go to our break, which I believe is Jesus, agent of justice, coming back at us with some justice there. On this week's episode of Jesus Christ, agent of justice, Jesus gives one of the most compelling closing arguments ever. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If you thought that was good, wait till you hear what's coming next. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, 
Let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. To conclude, Jesus drives it home with these morsels of wisdom. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Tune in this Thursday night at 9 p.m. on GCTV for Jesus Christ, Agent of Justice, fulfilling the law one case at a time. Hey, Casey, what are you doing? Hi, Remy. I'm just looking for a new podcast to listen to. All the ones I listen to now are pretty boring. There's this new podcast out called Your Church Friends. It's pretty interesting and sometimes funny. I think I heard about that podcast from someone else who said it was good. I think I'm going to check it out. You should, and if you like the podcast, you can also get their website, yourchurchfriends.rocks. It has all their old episodes on there, plus a link to their shop where you can buy their cool t-shirts for a reasonable price. Wait, are these the same guys who do the 5 Minutes with Your Church Friends videos on YouTube? Yes. Oh good, I'm a subscriber to the channel and already really enjoy those videos. I always make sure to like them, leave a comment, and share them with my friends. Me too. Are you also part of their social media accounts, like the Facebook group page? No, but I see the website has a link to that as well. Do you know why it's yourchurchfriends.rocks? Yeah, it's because they rocks. Alright, so Jesus Christ, Agent of Justice. When does that premiere? Whenever. <laughs> Whenever. Hey, if anyone wants to team up with us yeah. on our YouTube channel, we are looking for content creators. Content creators, make that show happen. All right, so I'm just going to fire off a few things, and whether we use them to launch off from that point or they're just there for to have been said, because I had Romans 14 open, like I said in the beginning. It starts off with, accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on his opinions. And that whole beginning part of Romans 14 is about, you know, judgment within where you think somebody else's faith is at. I liked in Luke chapter 6, which is kind of the parallel of where we are in Matthew 7, Jesus after talking, or actually right before talking about the speck in your brother's eye, he says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher, which I really think Jesus wants us to be fully trained so that we can be like him, which as you said earlier in John 7, that we can judge correctly. Right. It's not that we wouldn't judge, but he's saying, hey, get trained up, which this is, I think, Sermon on the Mount is part of that training. Then 1 Corinthians 5, verse 12, this is Paul speaking now, and he says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? Are we not to judge those inside? God will judge those on the outside. So I like that last one. That I part? Think, yeah, I think that's the fatal flaw we make as Christians sometimes is that we, we, we take the judging outward. You know, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, and we're not doing it inward. Okay, then let me follow it up with this, and this was the last one. So since you liked it, here's the follow-up punch. This is in 1 Peter 4, so obviously we have Peter talking. So this is 4.17. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will become of what will be the outcome of those who disobey the gospel of God? So yeah, judgment starts within the church. 
Right. And we so, need to look at where what's our obedience to the gospel, not a, those who don't believe, what's their obedience. As a Christian, so if you're not willing to listen to Jesus, then you have Paul there, the other great apostle, and then you have Peter. Those three right there, three of the top people formulating the New Testament, the church of what it is, Jesus essentially being the foundation, Peter and Paul building mm-hmm. to what it is, all telling us judgment starts here. And so as Christians, we say, okay, judgment starts with me personally. And then we go to, then it starts with each other, but not each other in the sense of like hounding each other harshly with mean words. Because again, the eye is the example there and the eye is a sensitive thing. If we're, if we come at judgment too harshly, we're going to hurt somebody. We're going to, we're going to do more damage trying to help them than, than anything we would be doing. So come with grace, come with love, just like Jesus did with everyone else. But yes, the church start here, start with ourselves, the body and say, let's fix this body because if we're going to be honest and i'll just talk about the western culture western american church not Which i think is what we can talk about yeah i mean i, I really don't know much any... outside of that but i mean it includes european it includes like in, yeah western church and i'm not going to say everybody but the church in general has become flabby and not useful yeah if if there was the doctor that we could go to <clears throat> jesus the physician and he was to run a check upon us <clears throat> read your bible um, we would definitely come up with all kinds of red flags of like, y'all aren't healthy, like danger zone all over the place. And like, I think the biggest thing is that he has done that to the church. And, you know, like, I don't know, when I go to Kaiser, they give me a printout at the end, which is like, here's what your visit was. Here's some tips and tricks and everything. I'm like, cool, thanks. And I never look at that piece of paper. That's basically what we've done as a church. Like, we have the Bible. We can judge ourselves through that. You know, we have Mm -hmm. prayer. We can get into that. There's like all kinds of tools available to us. It's not like it's not there. We just are choosing to ignore it. I like that part of those verses you read so much because I I think the the biggest bashing that we at the church have, there's two of them. We're hypocrites and we're judgmental. And that speaks volume of that's the perception that we're being viewed as. And the second one we'll hit more on right now because we've talked about hypocrites already. If If we're being viewed as judgmental, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing right because we should be presenting the gospel. And yes, the gospel is an offense to everyone who hears it because it checks their heart, but it shouldn't be coming at them in a way where they feel like we are condemning them to a specific place where we are the final judge. I think you brought this up earlier where we are the final judge saying the verdict is to hell you're going. I didn't say that. I don't think. I think you said at the beginning. Oh, okay. Not that the whole thing, but just the, 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 the little small part, and I'm making it. Yeah, that's where judgment comes in, yeah. right? There's a judge, and you're, you're passing that. Yes, and we're not the ones who are condemning. We can't do that. We can look at someone's character and make a call saying, hey, they're, if I'm driving again, the analogy of driving, if I'm driving and I see someone swerving, I can make the call that like that person may not be paying attention. Safety would tell me, stay clear or maneuver away. Right, so, you, so you're making those calls, but what about also the thing of, like, if you full judgment and just go, that person's drunk, that's whatever, they're a fool, I'm going to get around them and just get away from this as quickly as possible. But there's also situations just like, oh no, what if that person is having a medical emergency mm-hmm. and like something's going on? Just like, I don't want to endanger myself, but also like what's about to happen right here? Does this person need help? And I think that again, having that discernment with the goal of helping somebody, because I, I've been on the freeway one time, it was right here on the 105, that I saw somebody go from the right lane go all the way across all, was it three or four lanes there, bounce off the center divider, come all the way back across and go up onto the berm. 
And I was, you know, a few cars back, I saw that happen. I had to pull over and go run up the berm. And several others did the same. And we were holding this car from flipping over and the guy was passed out, right? Now, what if everybody was just like, oh, that's dumb. Like that person shouldn't have done that and just left. Like there can be dangerous situations. Again, exercise good judgment and discernment right. so that you don't get damaged. And that's actually what scripture says. Well, if you see somebody in sin, go help them, but be careful that you don't fall into sin. We're here to help correct each other. I can help correct you. And that's where I was kind of getting at is that I think we have failed as Christians because we are going out, or at least perception is telling the world we're going out and being the final judge, mm-hmm. where that's not our place. And it wasn't even what Jesus did. I mean, you got John three sixteen, God so loved the world, sent his only begotten son, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And it's like, cool. And it goes on 17, 18, 19 to talk about he didn't come to condemn the world. Right. The world stands condemned already. So it's just like, it's no news to anybody if we go out and be like, hey, you've sinned. It's like, no, duh. Do you see the world that we live in? (laughs) I mean, some people want to say that, no, I haven't. I'm a perfect being or whatever. And in that case, you can have a situation, you know, let's look at God's law, see where you're standing. But for the most part, it's like, yeah, and I actually feel guilty about it. That's where the gospel is supposed to be good news. Right. They're like, hey, you know, the sin problem that you probably hate about yourself. God did something about that. I'm glad you brought it up too, but I, I do think that we as Christians, when we're looking at this, okay, so let's, now we've checked it, right? Our, we're looking at ourselves first, we're, we're introspectively looking in, and now we're looking at the body as a whole of like, okay, how's the body doing the church in general? And we can remove this visual of like, we're judgmental because we're letting them know, like, we're not here to judge you or condemn you. We're just letting you know there is a better way. And I think that in coming into that, the better way is that if you've checked yourself and you've had to work through that process, it humbles you. Yes humility enters the equation and then you're actually equipped to help somebody right because it's really easy to spot a problem in somebody else and tell them how to fix it but if you've never done that for your own self it's just like who are you to say anything so we go through all that process and i like that you brought it up the idea of calling sin what it is because we're still free to call sin sin like going into all this when we're saying like don't be judgmental or look at yourself first before you go look at everybody else it's not saying like we're, it's blanket tolerance. Everything is okay because we can't say what sin is sin. If we look at what sin is, we can call sin sin as long as it's defined by what God calls sin sin. And we can go to each other and say, hey, I think, I think you're slipping up on an area and you shouldn't be doing that. My wife did that the other day. I get frustrated and sometimes inappropriate words will slip out. Very rarely though. It's something I've checked myself on. And, and the one that I used wasn't any most of the offensive top listers, right? You, you've been a real jerk. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit above jerk, but a, a little bit lower than the F word. And my son had got me frustrated and I used uh, uh, the... You, you said something. Yes. yes the, the other side of darn. So I used the other word of, instead of darn. And, and in that, she, she, in the moment, I'm still frustrated. She's like, you've been doing that a lot. Why do you have to do that? And I, I got a little frustrated and I was like, well, you do it too. You know, I threw, threw Justine straight under the bus, right? Not on the podcast, <laughs> Not too. On the Come podcast on, man. Too. But that wasn't real. That was just me, like, trying to think of the last time she's said something like that, which has probably been a long, long time, and saying, like, you do it, too. But I took that. But I was so glad that my wife called me out on a sin that is a sin because in my mind, after I've now released the frustration of my children not listening, I said, she's right, and I've got to correct that. So we have the ability to call sin, sin, as long as we know what the sin is. And we're going by God's standards, not man's standards. Yeah, I think that within that, bringing up a couple different things is, one, yeah, if somebody comes with a judgment, it can hurt. 
and the knee-jerk reaction is something hurting because they touch on something that's real or they're like whatever knee-jerk reaction is just like defend yourself or attack the other person but that's where you know the work of the holy spirit coming in and bringing the, the proper conviction to it so just like yeah we can come having removed the log from our own eye and going and trying to deal with somebody and i think that's the whole pearl before swine type of thing so it's like yeah you can come and how that person reacts would be different when you're saying being able to call sin sin and you use the example of your wife coming and doing that but when we get into that self not self-reflective reflecting before god right allow him to call sin sin yeah that we need to be subjected to it first and foremost and most thoroughly that hey god you make the rules you see my life and it's psalm 139 at the very end of it the last two verses says search me O god and know my heart test me and know my concerns see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting that we come before god and say you search me you see if there's anything offensive in me and lead me into the way of everlasting. Because I got to tell you, it's way easy for me to have my like things that I've okayed, but that God never okayed, but that they've just like been there. And they're, they're small, right? Comparatively, they're small and it's infrequent or it's whatever you want to call it. But like, it's the kind of stuff that if I saw somebody else do it, I'd definitely pass judgment. It's kind of the idea that we can't justify what we're doing. And say, well, it's okay because of this, this, and this, but really looking at it. And again, it's all back to what Jesus is saying, that introspective look. And it has to deal with sin too, because I have to introspectively look at the sin in my life and call it sin. I have to look at what's going on in me and say like, that's sin, Chris, and you got to call it for what it is. It's what's going to separate you from having a wonderful relationship with God. And if I can't have that wonderful relationship with God, I'm not going to have a wonderful relationship with Justine. I'm not going to have a wonderful relationship with Reed and Remy. I'm not going to have a wonderful relationship with the people around me. But it's being able to say sin is sin because it is defined by God's standards and start working through those things to remove them so that I can have that open relationship with him that would trickle down to my wife, to my children, to the people around me. Then I can help them go that extra step further. But yeah, I think this is a lot of good stuff we're going over right now. And really how you're talking about what you're desiring from that right and i desire the same things and that when we have that that's the proper role of judgment i think that when we're looking at judgment and even saying that hey judgment is an appropriate thing to do in the appropriate ways they remind me first timothy what is it first timothy 1 chapter 5 says the goal of our instruction is the love that comes from a pure heart a clear conscience and a sincere faith so the goal of judgment the judging of ourselves is that we'd have a pure heart, right? And a clear conscience. But then when we go to somebody else, it's coming from a place of having a pure heart and, you know, desiring that for them as well, that the goal is love, like that the goal of judgment is love, which is, again, Jesus's way of turning the world upside down as far as like, hey, what's the purpose of judging something? It's love, it's judging someone. It's like love. Like if you're going with somebody with a judgment and the goal there isn't love, you're doing it wrong. I think it's because we've defined the term in a whole different way too. Like we've taken the word judgment and we've defined it by our terms and our philosophies. And and I, I had this list and when you said that, it reminded me of this, like why we're, why we're judgmental. But here's why we do it because of our flesh. We do it because we're lonely. So sometimes when we see other people together and couples having fun together, that creates judgment. Like they're, they're in that stage, but we're lonely and insecure is another one. Uh, insecurities create judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, we're scared. We're afraid of something. So now we're going to judge it because we're afraid of it. That's change, right? I don't think that's a good thing for us because what if it does this and this? So I'm afraid of it. And then we're, we're seeking change or this one I kind of thought more of like, 
enviness. Like we judge because we're envy, like someone else gets the better car or salary. And we're like, scroll oh. through Instagram for a second. I think that's where right. that one comes. In. And then the last one is uh, we haven't confessed our own sins. Mm-hmm. And those are the reasons why we choose to judge people. But God is saying the reason you should confront a brother on an issue is because of love and not those things that we, we take. Not, you're seeing my face get all screwed up. Can you say that last one real quick? The last one on that list? Uh, we have not, we haven't confessed our own sin. All right. So I know leading into this episode, we we're talking about like, oh man, how to handle it. Cause I don't want to come off on episodes just like, ah, let me just like guns blazing and like shoot, mm-hmm. shoot out at everybody. But when mm, the world sees us as hypocritical and judgmental, and we can look at statistics, we can look at anything like the Western church lives like the world, like there is just sin all throughout the church. And that last point of becoming judgmental because we haven't confessed our sins and looking at those scriptures that judgment begins within the church is like, man, we are so, I, don't, I can't say this as definite, but this is what the thought came in, that we are so judgmental against everybody else because as the church, we're not confessing our own sins and yeah. repenting from it. So rather than address our own issue, we're going to go and point at everybody else because it takes the light off of us it takes, you know, it takes a whole focus, it does that whole thing. But whereas we're talking, you were talking on an individual level, it's like, ooh, kind of, I see that in the church. Is it, there's just, sin is rampant within the church. Mm-hmm. It reminded me what you just said of Nehemiah. So Nehemiah, before the king, wants to rebuild Jerusalem right after it's got torn down because the people just wouldn't listen to God and the kings led them all astray. So they're, they've lived basically sinful lives. When they had God's word before them, they had the prophets there telling them, don't do this. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. Stop. No. Like Willy Wonka style. And they were just like going to do it anyways. <laughs> Willy Wonka. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they did it better. Willy than Wonka that. the prophet. Yeah. <laughs> but once everything started actually rolling for Nehemiah, he prayed and he prayed repentance for himself and for everybody, you know, mm. confessing that sin of we did do wrong. And now we're going to correct ourselves. So that way we can be your people again. And, and, the people that you've actually wanted us to be here as kingdom people. And the thought that comes to my mind when we, before you address anybody on an issue that they're dealing with, can you honestly say, I am representing King Jesus when I go talk to them? Because if you can't and you're representing Chris, then you're going to be attacking somebody. You're going to be doing it for self-righteous judgment, untrue judgment, harsh judgment, hypocritical judgment, superficial judgment. You're going to be doing it for all the wrong reasons. Okay, so here, here. We're learning on the fly. I'm learning on the fly. All the things you're saying, I don't know if you're meaning to, but conviction and like teaching is coming through all the thing because I just went and threw a judgment out on the church as a whole. (laughs) Were you talking about the blanket judgment from the beginning, doing the thing, right? And just like, it's not that it's not there. I mean, literally like Gallup polls or Pew polls or whatever, just like, yeah, I mean, whatever sin you want to name, it's within the church in, in a high number. But me calling that out right now, was I calling out the church like that because of love was my goal there love or was it some weird satisfaction to like point out an issue within the church that like again my own self-righteousness coming with that judgment like no where we need to address that like yeah it's a heartbreaking thing that's big within the church and what are we missing because of it and you said as a kingdom people and like that's what we're missing jesus said hey seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added all of these blessings, all of the promises, all of the everything, everything that's the free gift, right? The grace of God that's being given to us. Seek first the kingdom. 
And when we are seeking our flesh and seeking the world, we're, we're, we're setting aside all of that yeah. for something that's worthless. So when we see families getting torn apart because of whatever kind of sin issue, I mean, divorce rates happening at the same rate within and without the church, pornography levels the same within and without the church, just lying or stealing or just like bad, like worth work ethics and morals or just like whatever the thing is, it is like, yeah, we shouldn't, I shouldn't point it out towards like, hey, look at the church, like it's sinful and like that's a thing, but it's like, guys, we're missing out on so much and we all know it, right? Yeah. And I think that as Christians, those that are in the church, hearing sermons or doing whatever, reading the Bible to whatever extent, like we know. So when are we going to get serious? When are we going to look inside? Yeah. Because that's the question. When are we going to look inside before we start chasing outside? Because if the church has a plank in its eye, we're not going to get this sawdust in the world's eye. You know, we're just going to be bumping them with that plank. And I, I think the, I like the message translation says, uh, if they have a smear on their face, but your face is all muddied up and everything. Like you're not even worthy of handing them a cloth to wipe off their face. Like clean yourself first. Let's, let's look at inside. Cause then when we do that, we could understand, well, what are we here for? We're here to be discerning. We're here to preach the truth of God's word completely. We're here to teach what sin is. We're here to comfort in love. We're here to speak the truth in love. We let God judge today. And this is Warren Wearsby. I love he said this. He said, yes, let God be the judge. Your job today is to be the witness. Mm -hmm. So when we understand that on that front, I think because inside I can be a witness now because I've dealt with what I needed to deal with in here. Do you have much... I got one more thing. Yeah. I, I want to end with the, and this is totally like left field, but it, it was just a really cool quote I heard the other day or, or today. And it was a, a judgmental mentality breeds stereotypes and stereotypes breeds division. And, and I, I even think that in that statement, and it could get us into a longer conversation, but I'm going to make it quick. Within the church, if we've been so judgmental because of stereotypes and the division it's created, we have become tools of the enemy because that's what the devil's goal is. The devil's goal is division. Jesus's goal, God's goal for us is reconciliation, bringing us together. And, and the enemy wants to divide us. And I think judgmentalness is, is done wrong with all the ways that we've talked about it. Yeah. It's, it's divisive. And so if we could do it in love, remember I'm representing King Jesus first, then that's what's going to be unifying us together. Okay, so, so you gave that and then I'm like, cool, I have two last thoughts based off of that. And cool. then we'll see if we keep going off of last thoughts. But one, as you were saying, like the, the judgments breed stereotype and stereotype breeds division. Just looking back to that example of Jeff Bezos and his money, right? And looking like, well, we can judge and like, well, stereotype, you're the rich man that can do whatever. And like, you could feed the whole world if you wanted and just like, right, stereotype it out and we judge there. And division comes from that. But really what the gospel does isn't, the goal of the gospel isn't take his money to feed the poor. The goal of the gospel is creating a kingdom community where Jeff Bezos is friends with the dude on Skid Row and can eat together. Like that's the goal there. Not that it needs to be that exactly, but that concept that the rich and the poor coming together in family and both benefiting from each other, that there's been a leveling of the playing field there on a spiritual level. And like, you know, one is exalted and one is humbled and they both find something within that to come together that, yeah, judging and just like, hey, you rich man, you should do this, you should do that. It's like, that's not welcoming anybody into the kingdom community. 
So yeah, that was one thought just based off of that that it kind of made me think of. And I wonder maybe if we ponder about it, how that could apply to different judgments and stuff that, mm-hmm. that we make. Like, well, what would the gospel situation look like there? But for me, like the kind of final closing thought is as we're doing that uh, reflective introspection before God and asking God to search our hearts is that it's one thing for him to point out that a sin is there. And it's one thing to ask forgiveness. But Jesus was always saying, repent. Yeah. And if we are not going to repent, we're not living it. I think that that's a fair judgment call to say. Is yes. that if you've come to Jesus just for forgiveness and you have not have any interest in repenting, then I think that's a fair biblical judgment call there is that you're missing out on, on the point. And that said, I know I probably need to go pray some repentance. You left it. I, I do have some thoughts with that. I, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to leave it, though, as a cliffhanger because I think we can follow up with this with the ask, seek, knock and, and go deeper into what you just left here. So I'm going to leave it for next week's episode. And oh, I'm, I'm intrigued. Oh, I, th- I think it'll be good. So we'll leave it for next week's episode. So that's it for this one. I'm Chris. And I'm Murdoch. We're your church friends. Thanks for listening. Yeah, next week. I got it. I got that one. From the owners of the Beatitudes Beauty product line and the creators of the Peacemaker Shampoo and Conditioner comes a brand new product aimed to help fight the aging process. It's the Worry-Free Face Cream. Your face will be free from the wrinkles that come from worrying about your day-to-day life issues like What will I wear? What should I eat or drink? Or How do these clothes make me look? Simply apply the Worry-Free Face Cream eight times a day, every two hours, before noon and after 6 p.m. Or once every hour, you are awake to see those blemishes dark under eyes and uneven skin tones gone until tomorrow. The worry-free face cream will help your face defy aging even a single hour, remove the imperfection and help you face tomorrow worry-free. Each day has enough of its own troubles, but your face won't be one of them with the worry-free face cream. So run out and get yours today. Do not apply after being outside more than 5 minutes, on a full moon, 20 minutes before or after eating, near pets or directly on your skin. Worry-free face cream must be applied with worry-free skin protector, worry-free face moisturizer, worry-free face scrub, and medical grade gloves. Worry no more with the worry-free face cream.